0: It's just good to see that kind of thing happening, just because it makes me think that if that happened in real life, like, house prices would just be falling instantaneously. I wish a spaceship would come and fuck up London for real.
1: Oh, hello there, and welcome to episode five. Pro- I really should make a yeah. note of this actually before I do my introductions. That's it close five, enough, surely. 5. 5 or It's less than 10. No, it definitely is less than 10.
0: More than 2. <laughs> uh
1: anyway, uh of Children of the Wilderness, you knew that presumably when you when you clicked on this, you'd made a conscious choice to actually listen to Children of the Wilderness and not some other thing. Um if you did click on this by mistake, please do stick with us. It, it'll be a thing. That is true. <laughs> Time will have passed by the end of it. <laughs> um, we can say that for definite. We'll all be closer to death. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, that other voice you could hear there was my dear friend Amy in London, and with her is also my other dear friend, Joe. Hello. In- Hello. There they are.
2: Hi. Um
1: Hi. And we are here today to talk about aliens of London and World War Three, a two-part episode of Doctor Who written by Russell T. Davis. It's my fault that you had to watch it. Yes, it is.
0: <laughs> I blame you.
1: So, um, yeah, I, you can probably hear that I was, uh, I was uh, sort of. <laughs> Supping from a cup of very strong black coffee, which I've been using sort of as a, as a recovery method. But look, You know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to rag on this episode t- too much. Let's face I, it. That would be very easy. I, mm, well, you say that. Maybe it's because I built it up so much in my head, having never witnessed it since it was initially broadcast in 2005. I expected it to be worse than it was, which isn't to say that I thought it was good, but <laughs> in my memory, I'd built it up to be basically the worst Doctor <laughs> Who ever. That's not And I true. don't think it quite is. I think it has a few redeeming qualities, a few individual moments I actually quite enjoyed. Um, but anyway, we'll get to them as we did, get on. What, what, your, the... what were your guys' initial impressions?
2: Oh. Wow.
3: To summarise the episode, a cabal of a flatulent fat people have infiltrated the United Kingdom's government at all of the highest levels, um, mm. and that's the episode. And also, then there's a thing at the end about forty-five seconds.
1: Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get <laughs> to that. But um, what, I, what I mean, is, how did it make you feel, Joe? Um.
3: Ultimately, like, (laughs) just really, I was so sick of running. Like, uh, the Downing Street's not that big or long. Yeah, there's not that many rooms to run in for it. I uh,
1: I mean, yeah, it's an old terraced house, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, you you know, it's got a bit of height to it, but not much in the way of breadth.
3: Yeah, there's not. They're not the kind of corridors. Not spacey Tardis. Corridors. I mean, sort of spacey, as in spacious, as in, like, not lots of room to leg it in. I feel like, um, yeah, a lot of the running around. I got so sick throughout the entire thing of the zip. Uh, oh, thing, yeah. Of people yeah. unzipping their heads and, like, the first time. Making it a happens...
0: weird cum face while they did it, too, every time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: It was
1: so drawn out. Every shot. Yeah. There was a lot. There were a lot of drawn out parts of this. I I can't help but feel you could have done a perfectly serviceable version of this basic story in a single episode.
2: Yeah.
3: I yeah. do not know why really it had to be two stretched. parts. I mean, I suppose people. Like, did, was it just what could have possibly led to them making it? two parts it feels like a one one parter that just spilled over and was only a little bit too big for a one parter
1: i think part of the impetus for making something a two parter is that it is cheaper because if you can if you can pad out a script sufficiently that it will last uh, two episodes you can basically do it you're basically saving money on building new sets for your other episode you're not having to hire a different cast even though you may be having to pay them to shoot an extra week or whatever um but i think it's cheaper overall it basically i would guess at a rough estimate it'd be cost like about one and a half times the cost of a normal episode rather than two times the cost of a Single episode. If you see what I mean, yeah. There's also, just certain... also,
3: if you reuse a lot of footage of the Slovene running, yeah, but like Which from, they different, did. I'm from sure. different angles. then I'm sure then
1: you there's really like there are multiple times we saw the basically the same shot of them like going from one side of the room to the other. Yeah, and, but like the yeah, opposite, but the opposite way, you know, and they just kind of reversed the the footage or
3: just
1: and like clearly also it only it. had
3: one big Slovene costume, which was not as bad as I remembered it. I think I remembered them more for being like morbid, you know, quite fat, farting yeah. aliens. I thought they looked sillier than... In, they looked sillier in my memory than they
1: Yeah, did. no, they're, they're, there was an attempt to make them genuinely creepy. Um, but I don't think it was a good design overall, because I feel like they're weird little shrunken baby heads and then those like comically oversized claws to the point that they don't just don't look practical.
3: They also kind of like the the difference between the CGI Slovene and the like and the costume Slovene. Yeah. Like the costume ones move around like a big clunky Jim Henson yeah. beast. And the CGI ones are these sort of graceful, deadly yeah, predators. Yeah,
1: they're quite fluid and nimble, and uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a level of disconnect there. <laughs> makes me makes think that maybe,
3: maybe the Slovene the kind of are not that deadly in close quarters, and maybe that was...
0: They're certainly more deadly when you can see all of them moving at once. When it's just one of them, it just looks like a man in a Slavine costume.
3: If we're we're looking for an in-universe explanation of that, Mm. then maybe they're pack hunters or something?
1: Well, I I guess that's kind of implied, isn't it, in some of the dialogue? That, you know, they they sort of hunt in an almost ritual-like way. Um, I don't know. All of that
3: kind of expository stuff about Slovene culture that got sort of slipped in there. Mm. Just got buried under the kind of evil teacher Demon Headmaster quality of the acting from the various yes. Slovene Yeah.
1: It was I think that you've you've hit the nail on the head there when you say Demon Headmaster. There is something that is just I think is more prevalent in this first series than any other series. There are certain Seen certain directorial choices, certain writing choices that are made that just feel very CBBC.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think more than any other series, they kind of just lent hard into the oh, this is a show for kids. Some adults like it too, I guess. Um, with retrospect, maybe not the worst decision because you, you've got, they've got to hook the kids in. Mm-hmm. If they couldn't, they couldn't have made this new series of Doctor Who purely for the now adult people who already like Doctor Who. I think that was kind of what they did with the Paul McGann movie, to be honest. And I think that's one of the reasons that it maybe didn't quite stick. Um, Well, anyway, so that's kind of like initial impressions and some of our early gripes out of the way. Let's try and go roughly chronologically through it and see how far we get before we just want (laughs) to give up and die. Um, So, I mean, I had misgivings right from the very first seconds with this, because I don't know if you remember, I know you're coming to this not as fresh as us, Amy, because we kind of, we attempted to record this episode a while ago and then for boring technical reasons had to bail on it, so. And for um, one
0: reason or another, I didn't feel like watching it again.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I can't... <laughs> I, I can't say I blame you for making that choice. Like, it um,
0: wasn't just one, it was two of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a lot to have to face. Um, especially knowing what you're going into. Yeah. Uh, to a greater extent. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I had mis- mis- misgivings like immediately because it kicks off with this kind of pointless recap of... Sort of various relationships, right, reminding everyone who Mickey is, what her relationship is to Rose, yada, yada, yada. But the very, and it's got the usual boomy dramatic music, but for some reason that self same dramatic music starts with a little comedy cartoon style xylophone lick. (laughs) like, (laughs) Like, oh, what larks, we're going to have children. That's the very first seconds of this episode, and I just thought. Oh, is that the tone we're going for? Okay then.
3: <laughs> and I feel like they may be sort of undercutting themselves
2: initially. Yeah, like
1: I mean and it's really jarring because it goes from that like cartoony music like into the normal like orchestral this is serious and important. That
0: does kind of set the tone for the episode as a it whole. It does
1: where it, you've got these kind of you've got the this weird tension between On the one hand, the lowest common denominator, you know, kiddie-baiting humour, but touches of genuine horror, which we'll get to, and, like, a bit of heavy-handed political satire tacked on for good measure. Pretty pretty on the nose.
3: So, not, Not really... Not pulling any punches, but also, like, not really aiming them particularly well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't know much about punching people, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> aiming is certainly part of it.
3: Yeah, you probably have to.
1: Yeah. So anyway, um, so then we get to the episode proper. Doctor Rose show up in present-day London uh, so that Rose can check in with her mum the doctor says they've only been gone 12 hours in like her time uh and then of course rose runs off he sees the wanted poster we see jackie's reaction and it turns out it wasn't 12 hours it was 12 months so (laughs) let's just unpack that a little bit um First of all, it's yet more evidence that the Doctor is, at present, really shit with the TARDIS. If you think about what some of the later Doctors do um, in the new series, where they're, you know, travelling in time with pinpoint precision, um, especially in Stephen Moffat episodes, because, you know, that's how he likes to use time travel. Um... To, to 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 go from thinking it's 12 hours to 12 months that's a that I is a
3: they were kind of more playing up. it as a like he doesn't really care enough about the difference between that amount of time oh, like maybe. if you a type if you had a time machine like that's still quite an acceptable window over the course of all time ever
2: i
1: hadn't that's thought about accurate. it that way yeah no, that's uh, maybe may, maybe you're right. Maybe that is kind of uh what was being implied there.
2: He um,
0: did seem to give less of a shit than he should have based on like the emotional reaction he got when yeah. he put the put Rose and her mum back
1: together. Yeah. I mean the th- my big question coming away from that was why didn't Rose then immediately turn to the doctor and say can we go back can we try again with this and basically...
3: Maybe this. landing a time machine is a bit like parallel parking. Like even if you do it not quite right, if it's good enough, <laughs> you just sort of... You're like, you just I go can't be arsed. I'll have to take it all the way out and then go back in again. I, just, <laughs> I can't be bothered. You see,
1: even if it was as flippant as that, a line of dialogue from the Doctor explaining why it wouldn't be practical for them to attempt to go back and, and, and maybe you know maybe get it a bit more precise... That would have been fine. It's the fact that Rose doesn't even think to ask that mm. bothers me. Mm. It's like, she realises in that moment, her mother has been put through a year of absolute hell. They've got a time machine. Surely they can fix that. But she doesn't think to ask.
0: <laughs> Maybe it genuinely doesn't occur to her.
1: I mean, it seems like it. it. doesn't seem to occur to anyone.
3: Well, she, um... is, she is basically treating the time machine as a as a, a protracted gap year. Mm. So, like, he pro- probably doesn't understand that it can be used to, like, alleviate
2: suffering.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. To, it just seems to be, like, a kind of just... They they deal, deal a little bit with the emotional form while well out from it, but by, with, by 20 minutes in, it's just sort of, like, shrugged and, like, eh, no harm done.
3: We're here now. Well, at least you're all right. <laughs> Let's maybe... Um, Cancel all of the internet hate sites for Mickey. Yeah, and, uh,
1: that's the other thing. It, cause of course, it doesn't make clear his exactly, name with it the like, Mickey has basically been suspect number one in a kidnapping, possible murder investigation, and he's and, and, and again he's just like, oh well, you're here now.
3: <laughs> like, oh no, well, they express kind of in this, Mickey's sort of the the thing that they use like Rose's mum. Kind of very quickly slips into, oh, I was I'm I'm livid at you, but let's have a cup of tea or whatever. Mickey is the point at which they're just like, oh no, wait, yeah, it is, it is still like it's a really bad thing that you've done. Mm. Like he just turns up while they're at a party, and is like, yeah. were you going to give us a text or something?
1: I just feel like there wasn't there wasn't enough of a consequence for doctor uh the Rosen Doctor uh, about that. Um there was I was thinking that like I was
0: expecting him to work it into kind of the themes we've seen so far with like mm. what the doctor thinks of humans and how important their individual lives are and whether he would start to realise that he had, like, as Capaldi's doctor often puts it, a duty of care towards the people whose lives he so casually fucks up. But it just, yeah, it didn't seem to get mentioned
1: again. I think there is there is a bit of that towards the end of the second episode where Jackie, where, where they've got Jackie on the phone and she says, like, okay, is she safe? And there's this really long, awkward pause hmm. where the doctor's like, well, no, yeah. of no, course she's not safe with <laughs> me. I am putting her in constant potential mortal peril. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, sh- your daughter is not safe with me. Had we not established this? Um, but, yeah, the, it, it, I guess, yeah, there is. this is perhaps... Does show the start of him beginning to think seriously about what his duty of care is to Rose. And, like, he's put in that situation where he kind of needs to save the whole planet, but it might be at quite personal cost to Rose in the process. So he might lose Rose in order to save the whole planet. And he kind of hesitates for a moment over that. Um, Which to be honest, you know, even in that situation, if it is one person versus whole planet, it's a bit of a no brainer, to be honest. Yeah. So um, it feels kind of forced that decision. Um, but yeah, so I think that was an attempt to to kind of tie that up. But it's as with everything else in this episode, it feels kind of underwritten and clunky. Um, so anyway, um, moving on. Moving on from that, uh, we get the alien ship crash landing. We get that one shot of it going through Big Ben which they used, I, I remember them using it in every trailer for the series. They use it in the preview for this episode. Wow. Like It seemed like the BBC wanted to use that one shot at every available opportunity. <laughs> they were so <laughs> yeah. proud of it. I, I imagine it was like, it must have been an expensive CGI shot for them.
0: That really stuck in my mind as well. I was wondering when the last time they used it would have been. (laughs) And just based on how familiar it seemed, it can't have been all that
1: long ago. No, I wonder if they've been working it into flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they do love that shot. But uh, the thing that always annoys me with it is as it goes through you hear the bong of Big Ben. And
0: And I I don't think you get that
3: cleaner sound.
0: Is that (laughs) not where the bell is? I
3: think the bell's slightly above the clock.
0: Oh. Well it still would have bonged I imagine well, from it, the it impact bonged, alone but I don't
1: think it would have been a nice crisp clear resonant bong I think it would sort have of just like because it would have been hit and then it would have rebounded mm. and,
2: just a <laughs> like, lot of just loud clanging
1: if it's if it's not you know in order for it to hit it needs to have you need one good hit with the clapper and then for it to just <laughs> hang there and resonate but it's got all other bits of detritus of the ship just tearing through it. I mean that was so, the first that, was the first yeah. sign, that would not dude. be it's, the noise it is, makes. What? Uh, Bullshit.
3: I mean it seems like it was kind of an inside job. Um, <laughs> I mean do you know what the melting point of clocks is? I do not. Well, the mel- the melting point of clocks, like the melting point of steel, is uh, is is not high enough. The bell, the Big Ben, it couldn't have couldn't have fallen and bombed <laughs> in that way. That uh, <laughs> like, you have to you have to just look at the science, and it's right there. And I think it, it was, you know. You
0: try to tell I- us that rocket ship fuel can't melt steel bells.
3: No, no, it can't. Wow. The, well, the, 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 government, uh, the what you government makes told it, tell you, what,
1: if you if you send me if you send me some uh, links because I'm sure there are various. There's, a, there's probably going into YouTube this
2: videos about great it. Great
1: depth. Um, I will. Yeah, I'll, I'll bung them in the show notes.
0: <laughs> it was a heartening um, scene, anyway. It's just good to see that kind of thing happening just because it makes me think that if that happened in real life, like, house prices would just be falling <laughs> instantaneously. Uh, <laughs> I wish a spaceship would come and fuck up London for real.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it would, it would be of great benefit to you on a personal level. Yeah. Um, so, Rose the Doctor... Um, uh, well, the Doctor is reacting with like just undiluted glee <laughs> at the sight of uh, of an alien ship crashing London because, as he says, you know, this is the humans making first contacts, um, and you know, it's a chance for the human race to kind of level up, so to speak, yeah, to become um,
0: interesting enough for him to care about.
1: Yeah. Um, so he wants to go and get a close. Close look at it, but of course, because of the throng of other people and security people and what have you, (coughs) excuse
3: me, they. He ends up just sitting at home watching telly.
1: Yep. And.
3: (laughs) I really don't think a TV show that is engaged in spectacle television, like that is all about the, oh my god, look what we're doing this week as that sort of event Mm. television. Which it might not have been at the time, I suppose, uh, but a show that does engage in that should really draw attention to how boring it is sit to sit at home and watch television <laughs> in that show.
1: Yeah, it's. I I have a feeling because it's been a while since I've watched a great deal of Russell T Davis's series, but. I feel as though this is going to be a recurring theme with him, a recurring trope of just all the exposition taking place via news broadcasts.
3: And that one and particular news broadcaster who seems to to stay on Waterloo Bridge for like two days. <laughs> <laughs> like he spends
2: two <laughs> days just standing on water. Waterloo Bridge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um... Well, let's hope he was being paid overtime.
3: It wasn't like it was any of, any of it was even happening at Waterloo Bridge. Andrew but Marr that's was, where he was was at the place where it was actually happening, <laughs> just sort of doing that thing that Andrew Mar used to do before he got his own show, where he would just stand outside Number Ten and talk sarcastically about whoever happened to be getting out of a car. like, yeah, Oh, he's some prick.
1: That yeah, the the Andrew Mar cameo because again that that's kind of. We get, we get not only Andrew Meyer, but also Matt Baker from Blue Peter. Was it Matt Baker? Was
2: that the one? Yeah,
3: really yeah. like scrambling. Oh, oh, and the Blue Peter dog as well. I was happy to see that particular... I think it was... Was it Jess? Was it... No, sorry. There were a lot of remember. those
1: dogs. What was the... It's almost certainly dead now.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that dog I, is whatever no the name alive. of that particular dog was that Matt Baker had... Uh, I was I was pleased to see that dog just sort of sitting in the background while he mutilates a cake to look like a spaceship.
1: <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the whole let's get cameos from other BBC people, uh, BBC people. That is such a Russell T Davis thing.
3: Yeah, it's like, like a, oh, you're watching television, but it's sort of like television inside television, and look, yeah, it's all you know part this of is, the wider is, world. And...
1: It's it's one of his ways to make things feel realistic and grounded, I think. But it yeah, doesn't quite work it, it, because you you're expecting presenters to act, and even though they just got to act as themselves, doing their normal job because yeah. they're not using the it, the environment's slightly different. So, like Andrew R in particular. Andrew Marr really sucks at pretending to be Andrew Marr doing his normal broadcasting.
3: He has difficulties.
1: It's really like he he really doesn't. The line readings are just slightly off, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it makes and it just makes it all the more obvious. Like I feel like if they just hired an actual actor to be a random BBC-style reporter, it would have been a lot less clunky and obvious.
3: It's also very of its time as well, I mean, because lots of things do that, sort of, let's have, oh, we'll do news reports about what's happening, and that, obviously Doctor Who also transitioned into later doing stuff like hackishly trying to employ hashtags and... Mm.
1: Yeah, um, that that kind of stuff really of social really media-ish dates it.
3: stuff, and yeah, especially like at the end, the doctor gives Mickey a virus to remove all. Keep it on a compact disc. That's you know, that's doesn't sort of doesn't even
1: put it in a sleeve. I mean, that's going to get scratched. Oh, no. is,
3: yeah, stop. Not, that's not the way to care for your CDs. For anyone listening who is younger than us, um, <laughs> CDs were a, were a kind of crap DVD that only played one album of mp3s um, and cost an awful lot tell me about
1: it i still buy them yeah. <laughs> very occasionally when i can afford to but. um yeah that's yeah D- yeah it, it does date it For, like but
3: very much like mickey is a an internet conspiracy theorist so was the bloke who Mickey and Rose went to see in the very first episode of this series Um, he wants all information removed of who was the internet there's not been this kind of complete cultural embracing of the internet as yet. it's Hmm. still kind of a place for um, sort of shut-ins and conspiracy theorists there is that that kind of attitude with it like that kind of gets melded into the sort of Um, the government has been infiltrated at all levels, Uh, 9-11 conspiracy theorists, war in Iraq, Um, that whole melange of stuff. Yeah, it all kind of just
1: gets folded into it, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, which is how conspiracy theories work, I suppose. It's all kind of connected and stuff. But yeah, the, the show has yet to come out as sort of thinking the internet's a good thing.
2: Yeah. Th- at that fair, point in time,
0: Im- we had Facebook and Amazon and stuff.
3: But the people writing it were not Russell no. T. Davis no. of we, did
0: not have Facebook and Amazon if and yeah, stuff. If it's not we, we, hackish we, this would have been, to,
1: This would have been 2004. So actually, I think this was would have been written... Russell T. Davis probably wouldn't have been aware of Facebook when he was writing... That series because no. I'm pretty sure I joined Facebook um in 2005 because that was my you know our first year at uh, at uni and you know and and it was in its vestigial stages this was back when poking was a thing it was
3: yeah, actually a social network it was just what it was just Facebook that was yeah. what it was it was a slightly cleaner version of MySpace yeah that was pretty much its whole thing
1: so yeah we are still kind of the the internet landscape was very different back when this was being written to how it is now um but having said that if i were mickey and living in this world and its version of the internet i would also be a bit of a conspiracy theorist because um correct me if i'm wrong but doesn't he basically Fire the missile like via the internet. Oh, yeah, yeah. there was. There didn't. Yeah, it seemed to have... all be happening on Internet Explorer, everything he was doing. Like when he hacked
3: into <laughs> it, he probably had to use Netfit Netscape for that. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: right? I, mean, I, I don't think I, like, Net Explorer 2 or whatever he was on at the time, would have been yeah. able to handle that.
0: Yeah, I love that how the password was just Netscape. a one word string. It's just uh, it was yeah, the same at no, every no, level. No
1: numbers. No uppercase. Yeah, it's just the
0: same password for everything, mate. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's the same password for unit
3: for
1: me. You know, yeah, that one password will bypass everything else. That's not how passwords are supposed to work.
3: So better not tell fucking Chinese like, that. Like some
1: kind of skeleton key password <laughs> that will trump all other passwords. I'm
0: gonna try and use it to log into Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook account. I bet it works.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so like, that was yeah. That is some, but you know what? Even that is not the most egregious, like misrepresentation of technology in this two-parter. For me, the thing that takes the absolute cake is when Jackie phones the helpline and mentions Tardis and the Doctor, and then it cuts to the closer for someone of just that string being typed into a search thing. And when they type in the Doctor, suddenly all the computers at 10 Downing Street start flashing Red Alert the Doctor, <laughs> there's no suggestion that there is any way to stop that flashing Red Alert or interact with it in any way. No, mate, so rise, that's just basically everything. just immediately lock down all of their computers so they can do nothing but display that one message.
3: <laughs> well, is it literally any time anyone... Uh, well, not Googles. What's their in-universe search engine? Oh God! It was from the first episode. I
1: search i Got it in my
0: notebook
2: now.
3: But uh, when anytime anyone types uh, "how do I have how do I get an appointment with the doctor," Downing Street just goes mental. <laughs> just all the yeah. alarms go off.
1: Yeah, that's the thing because that, the, they explained it saying that oh, we search our communications for for. Certain key words and phrases, and one of those is the doctor. That is too broad That's a. A lot of certain...
0: people are just looking for real, actual doctors. I
1: imagine. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of chaff with that particular <laughs> wheat, aren't you? It's gonna take a lot of sifting. Um, and if it triggers that red alert every time, oh my god! They probably how don't, they don't get,
0: get a lot anything of work, done don't?
1: at Downing Street
0: wasn't the implication though that th- that was happening just cuz she said those words over the phone i think
1: uh, well it, it, she would say the words and then it would cut to to, to the word being typed into
0: a
3: mm.
1: a a uh, a text box god is this like, like someone was a... th- then manually they were taking down the call and they were manually hitting search on it
3: i guess this is that's the kind of thing that people had anxiety about to do with Communications surveillance. Like they
1: imagine this is what GCHQ is doing every time they're they're on the phone.
3: But now that is actually like a potential reality. Like they have this. No one's particularly worried about it now that they know that they can do it.
1: (laughs) Ah, geez. Um, Right. Anyway, so let's get back on track, shall we? Um, So. They're watching the news reports, and the, it mentions that an alien body has been found in the crash site. Uh, so we cut to like uh, an, an, a room where where this uh, scientist is doing an autopsy um, and having a chat with the, the army general, and they do that classic horror thing where she pulls back the white sheet and they both have a look at it and the guy reacts we see his reaction like, oh dear god it's worse than I thought or whatever it is I, I, I
3: but don't think don't his reaction was appropriate I think no. my reaction to seeing a genetically altered space pig would be like, what? <laughs> is <that laughs> like, is it, why is his reaction not um, uh, okay um, <laughs> That's, that's really? a bit weird was not expecting that. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I quite agree. Um, I, I feel like that it, all, all the stuff that goes on in the, it, with that scientist and and the stuff in the autopsy room, up until the actual reveal, that is some of my favourite stuff across the two-parter because it is classic Doctor Who level horror uh, stuff where where the. They're ki- they're deliberately hiding the horrific thing from the audience um, and, you know, building up the tension that way. And I, and I genuinely do think it does build up the tension well, uh, you know, to the point where, you know, later on in the episode when you can hear, it's obviously up and doing, it's clunking about, and she's cautiously approaching the room, cut away, you hear her scream, doctor reacts to the scream, that is all brilliant. And it's only at the point where they reveal that it's actually a little pig running around on its hind legs with a little Aww. suit on. And it just... I don't... Was it meant to be funny? <laughs> I
3: don't
2: know. <laughs> I, no, it was meant
3: to be sort of to kind of give you a bit of Sympathy for this. He's also supposed to show that. Oh look, the doctor can just randomly command a bunch of troops to do that, stuff. You see
1: that I liked as well. I loved that when he's snooping around and he walks in on the on the the bunch of uh, you know army people, and they just immediately train their guns on him, and he just sort of like does this kind of sheepish grin, hmm. and then second later scream, and he then. He kicks in. He's in control. That's you know. That's some yeah. good doctoring right there.
3: I, it reminds me of that bit. I think it might have been Matt Smith or some one of one of the more recent ones, uh, where he sort of I, there's a bit where he's just like, if it, please point a gun at me if it will make you feel better. <laughs> 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 like, he's a cool one. Yeah. 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 So that's... he he goes into sort of troop. Which, uh, they find out it's the pig. It's you know, he's all kind of quite sad about it. It's like, oh, it was frightened. Um, yeah. But it yeah. kind of feels like that—that that little micro version of the whole point of the episode, which is about like how do we manipulate people by making them feel frightened and making them feel things feel out of control. Like, just it seemed a bit. I don't know. Like it's like a a hat with a hat on. It. Like, <laughs> it it was making the same point, but kind of also a bit like detached from literally everything that was going on, mm. uh, like the Slovene and stuff, and the the whole kind of box boxed in drama of the Downing Street thing. It, yeah, it, it it seemed weird. I, it's
1: it does become a. It, it, they get the one valuable piece of information from it. it's like you know the crash was a fake. That's the takeaway from it that's the thing that you know drives on the plot, but apart from everything apart from that it's kind of a dead end,
2: yeah
3: it, um, it sort of like there's also quite a lot of stuff left hanging on that it's like, oh by the way, we now have the corpse of a genetically modified pig um we have a load of spaceships and stuff. what do you want to do with them uh leave it in the Thames, I suppose and uh <laughs> Make the pig into bacon? Genetically modified? Bacon. I, I
1: guess it's, you know, they do name drop unit later in the uh, episode, or possibly the second episode, so I, you know, so my, my would guess like would kill be that's the, the kind of, of thing unit. you leave to unit, don't you? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just why, a, why did the, the pig. I, I still can't get my head around whether it was. Was it meant to be creepy? Was it meant to be funny? Was it meant to be both? I mean, for me personally, it ended up being neither of
2: those.
0: It just put me in mind of that episode of Black Mirror as all things with <laughs> like weirdly realistic yet slightly rubbery-looking pig's faces always <laughs> will from now on.
1: Ah, uh, yeah.
3: It's It's got that thing where it's supposed to be like we're expecting the alien being to be sort of somehow advanced or sort of impressive, but actually it's not. Um, yeah. And it's a creature that you're supposed to feel sort of sympathy for, and you're supposed to feel sympathy for it being scared, but
2: then...
1: Yeah, it just doesn't quite hit
3: that way, though, does it? It,
1: it kind of... Because it's just so off. It's so kind of left field that it's hard to immediately... Like again the 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 doctor admonish admonishing that's the word isn't it admonishing the uh soldier for uh shooting it that's again a good a bit of classic doctoring there
2: mm.
1: but because it's happening seconds after they suddenly revealed this little pig in a suit, which is just such a bizarre left-field thing that you can't immediately get on board with the doctor. Yeah.
2: Be yes, like, like, it
1: was just scared, feel sorry for it. It's like, I, I guess I should feel sorry for it, but I'm just trying to work out what the fuck it's doing
3: there. Do you reckon the, 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 the guy who shot it should have been actually like, it was scared. I was fucking scared. It was a pig in a space suit. <laughs> Was running yeah. at me and screaming.
1: It's it's easy for the Doctor to get on his high horse about it because he's you know he's desensitised to this sort of yeah. thing. But...
3: <laughs> so, um, I like part of you sort of thinks like, <laughs> or part of people watching might actually be sympathising with the guy who just shot the scared okay, space pig, and being like, yeah, it's probably a good call. Yeah. <laughs> like overall, were you going to get any useful information out of it? <laughs>
0: I don't feel like these army people were very good at their job. They just obey the orders of anyone who shouts at them loud enough.
3: There's, there's, that's <laughs> Shoot things slightly, whenever
0: they're feeling a bit frightened. There's
3: another slightly weird kind of undercurrent throughout the whole thing, not just in that, but in the Downing Street stuff as well, where there's a slightly condescending attitude towards uh, members of the armed forces. That they will literally just do what someone tells them if you walk in with enough kind of authority.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Don't try that. I'll make an exception for the doctor with that because that's kind of in keeping with his character and it's something he's been shown to be able to do before. Mm. Um. But yeah, no. You, generally speaking, I think the whole point of the army is you only do what certain people <laughs> yeah, who I mean, have it's... been specifically designated and have certain like visual indicators <laughs> to make it clear. What you do
3: is you you walk up looking vaguely authoritative and authoritative and stern, and then you say buffalo, and then they just have to do what you say. <laughs> <Buffalo>. <laughs>
1: Was the whole buffalo thing ever explained? Why buffalo?
3: I Does that know. explain it's Buffalo. Not anyway. really. I
1: don't think it was. <laughs> I guess it's one it's step up from being bi- password. Word. Imagine right, well, if um, the magic password was just password, <laughs> and no one else had ever thought to try.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, why would anyone think to try buffalo? It's what B U F F A L O. That's seven. Seven, eight characters.
1: If it's seven characters, then that's below the minimum.
3: Yeah. Like,
1: generally speaking these days, you can't create an account for anything with less than eight
3: characters. Yeah, so seven or eight characters, all all alphabet, not alphanumeric. Um I wonder
1: if Russell T. Davis uses it as his own password. Oh. What if we can hack into his emails
2: <laughs> with
1: that?
0: Let's try it before we put this episode up And alert him, he'll
1: definitely be listening (laughs) Just in case Oh man Okay, so yeah, so let's This is kind of the point at which the episode does get Like deeper into the whole Downing Street side Of the plot As we get introduced to Harriet Jones Who obviously I I don't know if you guys remember But she does kind of factor in Pretty much throughout Um Russell T Davies' run on the show. Um, so we get our first introduction. And I think she's a really interesting character because I think if you were writing a script today and you needed an MP character, you would never write a character like Harriet Jones. You would, would never write, write a portrayal of an MP that is that sympathetic.
3: No, you would not. <laughs> For good reason. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There is just this kind of like, I don't want to say naivety, but there is a degree of optimism and respect. Not like I, I think it's very important that she's a backbench MP
2: mm-hmm. because,
1: like, I think even now, you know, even the most hardened cynic will will concede that there are certain individual backbench MPs who keep their own constituency work, their focus, and who are hard-working and dedicated and yada, yada, yada. But with everything that we've had subsequent to, you know, over the last sort of 10 years where we've had the expenses scandals and the coalition and now the Tory government and all the rest of it, that won't even go into, well, like, masses of and detail. Also it really the, derailed um... into real-world politics. But, yeah, just... No writer is going to write an MP character like Harriet Jones anymore.
3: <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, they, what well, they're also doing there, a lot of the kind of fallout from, I know, like, Wakefield and the Iraq War, mm. um, the dodgy dossier, blah, all of that stuff, tended to at least focus on kind of the cabinet
1: Yes, and that it was a lines.
3: centrist kind of exercise of of manipulating the overall thing, the yeah. overall situation to to your own ends. Yeah. Whereas now the view is much more that they are all, with very few exceptions, kind of bastards.
1: Yeah, they're all just playing the game. That's the kind of that that's the kind of default attitude for a lot of people, and um, you know with reasonably good grounds mm. to yeah. support that view. So um yeah, I just thought it was kind of very interesting that you would have this kind of this I mean, I, I will say that I do think even even then it was kind of it was an it was an idealistic portrayal of what a politician could be rather than saying we definitely have politicians like this mm. but like more kind of wouldn't it be nice if we did but um, now it was kind of like you say, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we had MPs like Harry and Jarrett? Well, yes, it would but it's just that, you know, that's... Wouldn't it be nice if we had magic pies that allowed <laughs> us to see into the future? Yes, that it would, would but nice. it's not realistic is it now, Russell D. Davis? Oh
3: my god, you could call them scrying pies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> scrying pies. Ah... Uh...
3: But um yeah the, I mean that that's the sort of opposition that he's trying to create between the sort of the high minded let's fabricate an excuse to use all of the nuclear weapons um megalomania and sinister evil cabal at the center of government and the members of government who are at the periphery, and that's sort of what he's draw he's trying to sort of draw a kind of contrast between between those two kind of areas of it I suppose and it yeah it works she's a I mean, she even mentions um that she's not one of the babes yeah which is one of the they seem to do it with literally every prime minister i'm assuming they will do it with every prime minister from now on whenever that prime minister high well appoints of uh, an amount of female politicians yeah. to their cabinet. It was Blair's babes and Cameron's cuties and lots of deeply yeah. demeaning things.
1: Yeah, pretty icky. <coughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's one of two pieces of distancing they do, because also later on, um, they make a point giving her a dialogue where she basically says, not quite explicitly, because I don't think they specifically mention it, but basically that she voted against the Iraq invasion as well. Um, I, yeah, if, yeah. I can't remember the exact line, but um, but certainly they do kind of make that clear. Like, no, it's okay, you are allowed to like this character.
3: <laughs> yeah, would um, been, that would have been I mean, 2005 this was out, was it? To the end of 2005 yes. as well. Yeah. I mean, that's the point at which I can't remember where Blair, Blair resigned in two thousand and eight.
1: Yes, yeah, this would this would have been pre-Brown.
2: Mm.
3: But definitely. But Blair was under up fire at this point. I think
1: this his... is like post. Excuse me. This is obviously this is post dodgy dossier, dossier, and all of that. So. Um,
3: yeah. This was definitely the point at which the the shine had gone off.
2: <sighs>
3: definitely. Um,
1: yeah. Uh So and this is kind of the point at which my notes kind of go to shit because mine just says fart party. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's it. Basically don't that's yeah, when like, we, we get all won. of the aliens together in the cabinet room and they just stand around ...farting and laughing in a suitcase.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, it's funny.
0: I mean, the (laughs) reason for all of that is later... ...supposedly explained because of the gas exchange... ...between the aliens, like, their physiology... ...and their interaction with our environment, I guess? Our atmosphere? But don't they, like... ...people breathe, also. Uh, uh, We don't just fart. We breathe, and we do it at a much higher frequency than we fart. I would have thought maybe that would be their first thought. (laughs) That is a kind of gas exchange in its own right, you could say.
1: It it certainly is. Seems
0: almost analogous to to what they're talking about. Would have thought that would be easier.
1: I think, let's not kid ourselves here. RTD wanted to write about farting aliens, and then he made up a reason for them to be farting. It didn't I... so happen that he he was writing it and he was like, ah, oh, but of course the gas exchange. <laughs> I must, oh my goodness, I must work this into this. the script, otherwise everyone will be wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there no, no physical evidence of the gas exchange? It didn't so, seem yeah.
2: like... It the f- the idea like for the farting reason. came
1: first, and then the justification came afterwards.
0: That I wouldn't call that a justification. <laughs> not, not in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> it's,
2: it's. No, there is.
0: <laughs> I don't. I don't understand why that was considered necessary.
1: You could say that about this entire oh, episode.
0: I suppose that's true. All right. <laughs> Fuck it, forget it, carry on. <laughs> Objection withdrawn.
1: Um, so yeah, there's some faffing about... The doctor shows up at some point, goes into an emergency briefing with the... Um...
3: With a bunch of anonymous people in unit who are given yep. exactly as much attention as you could expect given that they are summarily executed about five minutes later.
1: <laughs> yeah. That so that happens. Oh, um, and the Jackie's Jackie's at home, and there's a policeman visiting.
3: Yeah, who, uh, who does the head the zipping aliens. thing? Yeah, because um, yeah, that's
1: basically the, the cliffhanger. Is you've got Rose and Harriet like spying on a, some of the aliens, and they're coming out of their suits, and then the doctor's in the briefing, and that they're coming out of their suits, and then the the policeman in front of Jackie's coming out of his suit and then, so we're finally seeing the Slovene all together revealed for the first time and then everyone starts screaming and then people get with the ID cards get zapped and then that's the cliffhanger.
3: And then you immediately get, or at least, at least I got on my thing, next week on Doctor Who, everyone's still alive. <laughs> yeah.
2: Don't yeah. worry
1: about it. I I, I hate next time. The
3: Defe- trailer defeats the face. point of having a cliffhanger. The point of having a cliffhanger does. is people are supposed to come back to sort of see, what, see happens what happens. Yeah. If you take all of the tension and drama out of what <laughs> happens.
1: Yeah, it's um that's 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 Doctor Who for you. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, to be fair, I don't think they used to do it with the classic series. I'm pretty sure there wasn't a "Next Time on Doctor Who" <laughs> at the end of every episode, because, you know.
3: I remember you saying you you like have to turn it off before that happens, don't you?
1: I do. I always do. Like I always scramble for the remote or or whatever because I can't, I can't stand next time, and I'm still doing that now with as we're we're rewatching for this podcast. Um, because I hate it. It's it seems so unnecessary to me, like you know,
3: definitely I th- I not think... set up for like if you're watching it on Netflix or mm-hmm. something. Obviously, you could just watch the next one.
1: Exactly. I, I I mean I think this is it. We've got to remember that this series in particular was, I think, well, all of RTD's run I would say is kind of written, so maybe not pre-binging, but yeah, yeah, it's... before that became like one of the standard models in which people would consume TV. He yeah. was writing it for an age, like the, the dying embers of the age in which people would sit down and watch a TV programme at the time it was being broadcast. But this is when, push...
2: like, you would have
0: mostly had everything on video and yes. spent £15 yeah. pounds for three episodes of something.
2: Oh or you'd God. be
0: shelling out and also considerable sum for the DVD, which may or may not exist.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think whether I had a DVD player in 2005. I think my parents did. Yeah. I mean, no, because, well, certainly, when I was... my first, Yeah, when I, when I was uh, at... Uh, at uni, I had one of those little boxy TVs with a built-in VHS. Yeah. See, so, yeah, I was still watching stuff on VHS then. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it was definitely on its way out by that point, and I think well, I also had some DVDs, but I could only watch them on my computer. Um, because I didn't actually have a DVD player for a while. Um, uh, we... But yeah, it's, it, So it's, that just goes to, to show how quickly that we have transitioned away from from that into now like you say Netflix and iPlayer and, and all the rest of it and, and I think it's much clearer if you look at something like the, the Stephen Moffat era of Doctor Who that he is kind of posh even though it's mostly episodic there is a much stronger through line through his series there is more of an an understanding that people are probably going to watch the whole thing and they might potentially watch it all in one go you know or yeah. crammed in over a, a few days As opposed to watching it week by week Yeah, there's like
0: way less chances That people were just going to miss one And not be able to see it
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, But that said, with what we started talking about the, the next week on Doctor Who thing Which has yeah. been there consistently Kind of completely undercuts What type of television they were making at the time Which was getting people to come back
1: Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, That's... I mean it uh, I, there is I think there is a skill to cutting together a a, a, an, a next time preview in such a way that it teases you and gets you intrigued and for, for what's going to happen next without just giving away major plot points. Yeah.
3: Um it was one of my favorite jokes I can't remember what TV show it was in um, yeah. but it's a sketch show so um, Someone was saying that they don't like the, they can't stand Battlestar Galactica, but they love that show that's on before it, previously on Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's always the opposite thing. They, they did the same at the start of this, didn't they? It's the sort of yeah. bookending it with a previously on or next time on thing. They're close to continuity, but like the medium doesn't really allow it in the same way that sort of Netflix or like some streaming binge service now does.
1: Yes, yeah. Um. So, yeah, so we're at the halfway point. Uh, the, the, the second episode, I've only just watched it, like, an hour ago, and I've made notes here, but... It seems to be... To my mind, it seems to basically consist of three long scenes with... Like, like there's one long protracted chase scene with the Doctor and the Slavine. One very protracted scene in which the Doctor and Harriet and Rose are all locked in the, the, the armoured cabinet room. And that's intercut with the scene of mickey and jackie in mickey's flat
0: fucking up a slimine with a chair
1: oh i love that i (laughs) i i I love that basically mickey just shows up i mean the Slovene is already clearly of no harm, like not going to do anyone any harm immediately because it's just being tasered and it's just standing there shuddering all electricy and then Mickey is like, "Right, i got to handle this." Fucking Picks up a chair, it. breaks a chair on it. <laughs> it doesn't like it doesn't react or move <laughs> in any way. And then he just grabs Jackie and they run. So it's <laughs> just like, well right, then no, Mickey you just broken a chair.
3: Perfectly good. Well, oh, he then uses a chair to stop it from getting into the room for a while. Just props it up against. <laughs> Honestly, I think the Slovene like. Chairs are their stairs for, for Daleks. Like the way to defeat a Dalek prior to them flying. Stairs. The way to defeat a Slovene, just Could sort be. of instinctively. Chairs.
1: Just lob chairs at them.
3: Or... <laughs> just, just throw enough chairs. Yeah. I it leads back to my theory which I, where I don't actually think the Slovene are that, like, good in closed quarters and on their own. Like, they seem like they're not very... They seem like they're relatively like intimidating, but I mean, all you have to do is throw off a load of fucking gherkins at them. <laughs>
1: oh god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, okay, yeah, we should. We that should was a little bit that, of but...
3: a letdown, to be honest. Like, yeah, what the the, 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 the
1: Slovene's Achilles' heel is Is is,
3: is, is gherkins? <laughs> really, yeah. Was that?
1: Yeah. Did I wonder if if that was purely so they could do the gag about how
3: Mickey, likes, Mickey likes his
1: pickles. And, like, so the Doctor can say, oh, you kissed this guy? Or was it the Doctor? Oh. Who was it?
3: Yeah, it was the Doctor. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we can see that, that Harriet Jones MP is is clever, because she knows about Hannibal crossing the Alps, dissolving rocks with vinegar, which yeah. really? Like... I suppose
1: limestone, but yeah, yeah I, I'm assuming that 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 seems like something you just pull from Wikipedia, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: <laughs> do you think Russell T. Davis just hit the random article button for yeah. that one? <laughs> yeah.
1: Just went cycle through a few and, and then he hit on that. I was like, oh yeah, vinegar <laughs> that'll do.
3: Yeah, fine. Defeat some with gherkins. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Bish bosh. Jobs are good.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think it was meant to be funny. Yeah, I think it was an attempt to kind it's, of uh... lighten the tone a little bit and make the peril seem slightly less perilous. But, but are they a
3: new like, I mean, are they a new alien? Yes, yeah, brand like, new for the new series. Um,
1: I suppose you And can I use think that again. originally I think there were hopes to have them as a recurring villain. Hmm... Uh-huh. But... They could probably
0: do it now, they've got the technology to make it not look yeah. alternative alternately rubbery and I, I awkward feel like you would have to do weirdly lit.
1: Yeah, I think you would have to do so much retconning though to make them uh... a, a a viable threat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah.
0: Like get rid of the human soup thing.
1: Yeah.
3: Maybe maybe the the thing where they can be defeated using pub snacks <laughs> and and ordinary chairs <laughs> <laughs> is uh, I'd probably that just if you want to make them a bit more of a threat. The thing where they don't seem to be able to move in person because the admittedly very kind of, a lot of effort has gone into that costume, but I don't know if... You know, there's this program on TV, uh, I saw what it was... Uh, Like Jim Henson, but a reality TV show where loads of puppeteers compete to who can make the, the most sort of, they get given a load of briefs for different kind of monsters and they have to compete to who makes the best one. And frequently, so, like, the thing competitive that... Competitive
1: puppet design. Yeah, yeah, it's,
3: it's quite of That it's sounds genuinely
1: cool. good. I want to watch that. Yeah, it's
3: really... That's, that's my... Um, I can't remember what it's called, but I'll use that as my pick for a thing that people should look for. <laughs> it was just on... Well, I was with my parents, so it was... They actually still watch TV. So it was on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so one of the things that they usually get caught up on it is that, like, the puppeteer who has to operate it Like can't breathe inside it (laughs) and can barely fucking move, or they've they've not considered how to make it kind of usable by a human. Yeah. And those seem so like the contrast between the CGI one, all sort of slick moving, uh, and the just sort of clunky, like arm wavy thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's a really. Obvious distinction, and it it does diminish the the kind of the level to which they come across as threatening. Like they just seem impractical. Like I say, they've got these enormous talons, but then you don't see them actually like impale anyone, or even imply that they can impale. They just sort of
3: like push someone up against a wall.
1: Yeah, that's like the, the most physically threatening thing any of them actually do in any of the the episodes. Um,
3: I guess it's kind of a problem across the whole two-parter that the stakes go sort of swing drastically so far from this is the worst thing in the world and oh my god everything hangs in the balance to oh shit it's just a a pig in a spacesuit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh my god, look at the sinister cabal infiltrating the heart of Westminster and oh look, they're just going to have like a little fart party in the cabinet <laughs> office. <laughs> it's that sort of there's just this it's a bit jarring the yeah, the it swings back and forth between end of the world and oh actually it's just a bit silly.
1: Yeah, it, it totally inconsistent. That is I think the best way to summarize this. Um and especially
3: if you end up with making a very blunt, specific point about the the lead up to the Iraq War, after having spent kind of the best part of two hours with pigs in spacesuits and a fart party, maybe that's like that's a weird tone to leave it on.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, I, I mean, obviously he he wanted to he wanted to get that out and and. Good on him for giving it a go on what is essentially a children's programme. Yeah. You know, like having a good on at Let's be honest, not not even, like, after the fact. This is, you know, this is current where at the time it was being broadcast. I mean, you know, this was our current Prime Minister under fire for you know, leading this yeah, country into Lottie. an illegal war. You hmm. know, big fucking deal. So, on, on that hand, I've got to give it to, to RTD for, give it, for giving it a go. It's just that everything that surrounds it is so... it just seems to be actively undermining that. Maybe
0: he had to make it completely incomprehensible just to get it past <laughs>
3: the censors. <laughs> well, he just had to make it so that whoever actually checks these things wasn't watching. Yeah, so <laughs> by the time, yeah, it, so by to the the end, time it
1: gets to, that, to, to, the, to the satirical part, their eyes have already glazed over and they're just waiting like, oh, for it whatever. to be over.
3: <laughs> but I I'd, like, I'd, yeah, I'd get the sense it... that some things are kind of consistent with that overall and but you can't really see it leading to it at all. It doesn't get set up in any way that makes it a lot like the whole sort of contemptuous attitude of the Slovene and the kind of like smugness of them and that sort of thing. That that kind of I suppose could be related to the kind of attitudes of of the sort of the central group around yeah. that. But also they, they, yeah, it's just kind of... It's not... That's me being trying to make links. That's not something that was very obviously suggested.
1: No, no. I think there is a degree of reaching there. Um, so anyway, yeah, so... We we get that whole, you know... satirical 45 seconds WMB spiel bit. Um... The solution is to for Mickey to blow up Downing Street. Which, you know, we've already, we've already discussed that he's somehow able to launch a missile
2: through the internet on the
1: internet. Buffalo, mate. Wait, <laughs> yeah, <It's> buffalo. <laughs> buffalo. Yeah. So, so kind of, we'll, we'll 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 gloss past that. Then we don't need to keep. So they do that, they blow up Downing Street, the day is won.
3: <laughs> Hooray! Um, that's a, is that like a wish fulfilment episode? Yeah,
0: like Cabinet office has been destroyed, most yeah. of Britain's political elites have been turned into sleeping bags by big <laughs> green babies. Britain can descend into anarchy, finally.
3: <laughs> no, so fine, it won't, because Harriet Jones is going to go and give what I think is an oddly triumphant speech (laughs) given that people will uh, I think she gets the tone completely wrong considering that no one on the outside has seen what has just gone on, they don't know that they've won, all they know is that a missile just destroyed Downing Street (laughs) Yeah,
1: which seems if anything Her turning up and saying We did it! (laughs) That they've got weapons that they were Going to launch within 45 seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, you're quite right. For, for those on the outside, it looks very different. It was like, it? what, did you just emerge
3: from a smoking building and say, yay! The day is one.
1: everyone.
3: Let's make her Prime Minister. Was, like, do you reckon everyone just went like, "Is"? is a Backbench MP just, like, doing a spontaneous coup to the news media? <laughs> <laughs> like, because she's the only cabinet member, even vaguely, like, in, a commi- in a position to take leadership on. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's um, oh, another one for the conspiracy theorists. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, so then we get our little sort of epilogue in which Jackie wants to make the Doctor a shepherd's pie.
2: Oh, Um, yeah.
1: (laughs) And that's, you know, that's genuinely sweet. And you know what? Rose is awful in this epilogue.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's
0: this bit where we're like, I was thinking, oh, she's going to have a really tough time deciding whether to massively hurt her mother or give up the chance to, like, see the universe. But then it's like, oh, no. Definitely, definitely seeing the universe. Yeah, exactly. But I
1: don't Rose think is... I forgive her. No, like, and this is coming off the bat. Of, like, basically, she turns up after being missing for a year with no explanation. She immediately gets sucked into this alien invasion conspiracy hoo-ha. Just about gets out of it alive, for which you know Jackie is rightly thankful. And she says to, to her, wouldn't it be nice for us to all, just all sit down, have a meal together, talk things out a bit. Let's, you know, and, and, and I'm sure I'll come round to the idea of you continuing to travel with this guy. Being, frankly, I think a very understanding and supportive mother.
2: Yeah.
1: And not just like immediately locking her child in her room just to keep her safe for 10 minutes. Um. And Rose's response to that is like, nah, sorry, mum off I go. Fuck you and
3: and your fucking cup of tea, you fuck.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and and also the Doctor's being like horrifically emotionally manipulative in that moment as well where he's like, nah, sorry, I don't do domestic, I don't do shepherd's pie so here's your choice right now you've got to decide, love. Could he not Give Rose a little bit of space. Say, mm. you know what? Yeah, you. It's not for me, but off you go. Spend a bit of time with your mum. That'll be nice for you. You know, I'll I'll pop round in a couple of days or something. <laughs> he, he could do that. He could do that. In He's got a fucking seconds. time machine. No, no one really
3: seems to be that invested in using the power of a time machine. Yeah. To in any way make anyone's life any. They're not interested in using
0: the time machine as a time machine.
1: Like, they just don't give a fuck about Jackie's emotions at all.
0: We're supposed to, right? Because I feel she's treated, like, up to this point she's been treated pretty dismissively.
2: Yeah.
0: And, like, the beginning of the first part of this two-parter is the first time we really see her being portrayed as someone who gives a shit about Rose and has her own emotions and stuff.
1: Yeah, so she was given more to do and was given some depth and and stuff. And yeah, I do think at the end, like you know, Rose is saying, "Oh, look, it'll be like ten seconds to you," and then she stands there, waits ten seconds, and then she's not back and sort of shrugs and trudges off. And
2: that's the end of the episode, guys. <laughs> yeah.
1: See you next week <laughs> for more rollicking hijinks. <laughs> so yeah, it's quite a depressing ep- uh, end of the episode for Jackie, and I, I don't know whether this this is all stuff that... These are seeds being planted and that... Because I honestly can't think how Jackie's emotional arc is resolved, if it is resolved at all.
3: She, um, she but gets at this a lot point, of stuff later, it's which is brutal. all about like being left behind and having to just deal with that. It's a yeah. kind of like... Which I think is not necessarily a seed being planted. It's more... The writing stuff or Russell T. Davis at least realised he had been doing that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well I think that well that that's that then. Does anyone else want to like mention anything specific or are we are we done with this? Oh. Can we be done with this?
3: Uh bad wolf graffiti gets oh, yeah. yes, cleaned off. It's not as 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 sort of References or sort of, oh look I'm hiding something, oh I'm planning something, it's all a bit like look like, oh I hope you don't see it oh no, you've seen the bad wolf <laughs> yeah. oh dear. It's not <laughs> subtle is it?
1: It's not subtle at all uh, It's, yeah, it's a very
3: I, get this, I seem to remember by the time they eventually got into what bad wolf was, I was just like oh fuck's sake, just get on with it I don't, yeah. I, yeah, we know you're planning something. You're not leaving any kind of meaningful clues. You're just doing some proto-JJ Abrams phrase. mystery box nonsense. Yeah,
1: yeah it's just a, 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 a at this point, meaningless repeated phrase mm-hmm. that just yeah, it's just like, hey, don't forget everyone. It's a very rudimentary attempt at a story arc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, Yeah, I, I that's one thing which I will say that later series of Doctor Who do do a bit better when they they have a, a a common thread or whatever they give it a bit more substance or or tease out a bit more meaning every time it reappears rather than just being like here's that thing again, don't forget it now.
3: Yeah, I've, I mean other than that, I reckon if you think about like some of the things we were complaining about in the first episodes, yeah, uh, like with Mickey getting. The short, sh- short shrift. He gets kind of digs made at him this episode, but at the end point is sort of given the an amount of validation for hacking into military hardware and sending a missile and generally being vaguely competent.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, he
3: gets something.
1: Absolutely. I mean, well. Say what you like about like the the level of his of his hacking skills, which were basically <laughs> typing in a password which the doctor told him to type in. Um, Essentially but the fact a typist. that he he was the one who who took the photo of the Slavine and then made contact with Rose, and that was kind of what kicked off that whole plan to begin with. Mm. Um, so if he hadn't done that, then you know things could have worked out very differently. So yeah, he he was kind of a pivotal. Uh, Player within, uh, I suppose the whole. It's, it's part of the journey,
3: the doctor's journey towards being less of a git,
1: yeah. But to be fair, he does still call him Mickey the Idiot throughout, so it's slow progress,
3: yeah. He also calls like the entirety of humanity thick, yeah. <laughs> that is, that's kind of his thing this episode,
1: yeah. Uh, I guess so. I, oh. I I feel like my brain's turned to to liquid now. Have we to... been
0: doing this long enough?
1: I think we have. I think we have, Amy. Um, it's all right. You never
2: have say... to watch this again now. Yeah, yeah that's true. Unless
1: I... we do another
0: podcast about it, I... don't let's
1: do that. No, let's let's not. Let's never. Let's never watch this again, shall we? All right. Um, <laughs> I was going to say you know normally I tend to round things out with my petty gripes list I do have one with a couple of things that I haven't mentioned elsewhere but you know what
3: nah it's not <laughs> just worth just it just like, like read it off in like long like short form uh, well
1: there's uh, there's a couple of things there's a couple of, uh, one was you know the the one mp that was actually a slavine mm. who Gets given the protocols, and when Andrew Marr mentions him, he was he was he not also between like some backbench MP or some member of some minor committee? Yeah, like not a not a significant figure. Where's the deputy prime minister?
2: Oh. Was it was it ever
1: explicitly? Mm-hmm. Say, they said the prime minister was missing. They didn't say anything about the deputy prime minister, did they? No. Or say the chancellor? Or that, they didn't say, like, pretty much the entire cabinet has gone missing. It was just, where's the Prime Minister? So, presumably...
3: Turns out the, he was just in a cupboard.
1: Yeah. So, like... But did no one would, check would the cupboard? Would they not have gone with someone else over that one MP? Would not they have to have taken out a lot of other people first?
0: I guess they, like, they must have. But Everyone must be It's never really made dead. clear, is it? No, it's
1: not. It's one. just just the prime minister that they mentioned being missing anyway so that niggled me um and the other one was do you remember that the the policeman uh at the end, near towards the end of the first episode when they're unzipping their suit they have a massive obvious zip on their forehead
2: oh yeah like
1: under their hair mostly like, yeah like i think they like, they pull their hair back and then they, they they've got like a big zip and they pull it along but then every other time we we see any of them unzipping the things, there's no zip like was that just like an effect that they that they they tried it in that one shot and they didn't like it so they didn't put it any any others but for whatever reason they could take it out of that one shot or they forgot to or yeah that just yeah. that's inconsistent <laughs> that's, that's pretty
3: pretty inconsistent i mean yeah. this is a species that knows how to genetically modify a pig to make it just sentient enough that it can be terrified. Yes. But um, yeah, they are inconsistent with their zip usage. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Definitely. So, but that's it. I mean, like, the, everything else I've kind of like mentioned in, in context, I think. It's, yeah. This episode but, has been a
0: long list of petty gripes. It
1: really has. But But the thing is, the thing that fr- I find frustrating with it is, as I say, I didn't hate it as much as I expected to, even though we don't, we've done almost nothing but complain about it over the course of this episode. There there are good elements in there. There are things that I liked about this episode. Like like some some of the individual lines. There's some good writing there. I really liked Harriet Jones's line uh, to Rose when Rose is like, oh, well, can't we just nuke them? And she just says... You're a very violent young girl, aren't you? <laughs> I thought that was a great line and it was really well delivered. And, you know, the doctor gets a few and I loved the stuff up until the reveal of the pig. I loved all of the stuff with the autopsy and stuff because that was, like I say, that was proper old school Doctor Who, classic horror. You know, that if, if if the reveal had been handled differently and if it wasn't a bloody pig, that could have been a really good, creepy sequence but, like, every time there is a good decision, it gets undermined by a bad decision, it feels like, in this episode. um, Which makes it a very frustrating and ultimately quite a disappointing watch, I think. But there are these sort of isolated pockets of goodness in there. So I can't just, like, flat out dismiss it and say it it's terrible from start to finish.
0: If it had been one episode, it probably... Yeah would have stood a chance of being a lot more
1: watchable i think you're right i think there's so much of the the shittiness is down to sheer padding like mm. if if they'd kept it to one episode they would have had time for the fart jokes and
3: <laughs> they also know. wouldn't have had time to do a big dramatic zip head opening thing oh. every time oh, like how long do God. they spend just doing that <laughs>
1: That must have been like 10 minutes of the total running time. Making us episodes. look at their
0: faces.
1: Uh. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. All right then. So. All done now. <laughs> ratings. Ratings. I mean, I, I've done a, a big spiel about how inconsistent I found this stuff. So I'll just say because there are pockets of goodness, I can't rate it as low as I might otherwise. But overall. Like I can't recommend it to anyone. I can't say this is good Doctor Who. It's not, it is bad Doctor Who. So, I'm hovering between a 3 and a 4. I think I'm going to say 3, because it's just such a frustrating experience overall. Uh, what about you, Amy?
0: I'd say it would be a 3 for me. That's, like, a 4 implies...
3: Nearly half good. Yeah, like like, watchably
1: bad who, and
0: this was just... flawed, Flawed Gem or something. Yeah, this dragged so much. It wasn't just all of the odd choices that were made, and the jarringness between the sort of CBBC-ish, as you say, tone that they were trying to strike at the same time as trying to be genuinely creepy. It was just everything took too long <laughs> approximately twice as long as perhaps it should have <laughs> so yeah
1: that's a three from me what about you Joe?
3: Um, I, I've literally just watched this and it was not an enjoyable way to spend two hours of my morning <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and I feel resentful of that <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so i I'm, I'm. It's really fresh for me Ooh. right now, so I'm going to go for a two. Um, <laughs> but if 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 Russell T. Davies was you know to take Umbridge at that, then we we keep all of our ratings in an online account, and the the password for that, if he wants to change it, is Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right, so then... It's um... not. The password
3: isn't Buffalo. The password is uh, the melting point of steel. (laughs) Um, It's a a big conspiracy.
1: Indeed. Right, so... um, Just a quick reminder... That uh, we do have an email address. I've not checked it recently. Let's be honest, there's nothing in there. But anyway, yeah. if you <laughs> do want to email, email us, you can do so, so. Children of the Wilderness at gmail.com. Um, you can rate us on iTunes, leave a comment on SoundCloud. Those are nice things Lord, that you can do to um, Lord, Lord. help other people find this podcast if you think it is anyway worth anyone's time. Including ours, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so on to recommend a thing. Um, Joe, what 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 are you recommending? Puppet.
3: I can't, can't remember what it was called. It was a like plan. a Jim Henson. It was used. It involved the Henson company. Um,
1: Brilliant. Well, that's something for people to Google on. it. something. Yeah, to, like, Jim
3: you know. Jim Henson reality TV show.
1: I, I'm genuinely interested as, as as a fan of like pretty much all things Henson. I'm gonna have to try and check that out. <laughs> that sounds genuinely intriguing. It's probably. It, I mean, was it good? Was it
2: terrible? Was it all uh, right?
3: It was. It used. Exa- it was exactly the same as. Yeah, it's called Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge. Um, I need to see this. And, yeah, this and, oh, it's a sci-fi, um, a SIFI SIFI show. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, it uses all of the same things that um, other reality TV shows use. You know, manipulatively edited footage and kind of um, yeah, but it's
1: people making puppets, High stakes which is,
3: music of... Which is... That whole kind of thing. It uses all of the things that reality TV shows do, but yeah. the actual people involved are professional puppeteers. And, like... Oh, no, we're not puppeteers, rather. They are puppet makers. Um, yes. the puppeteer actors aren't actually the focus of the, the show. They're just sort of there to do the kind of creative work and it you know it makes you think about like how these things are made and how you kind of um, make something look alive so yeah that might as well be that excellent
1: <laughs> uh, Amy uh, what would you like to recommend
0: um for the past few weeks I've been watching Louis CK's new uh, TV show i guess you could call it that he's making himself and putting out through his site called Horace and Pete and he's best known for his um his comedy yes um and like we've all been watching i think his um sort of semi-autobiographical show called Louie yes um, indeed
1: i've certainly been watching it
0: yeah. yeah and um i wouldn't say Horace and Pete is a comedy um i don't think he calls it a comedy it's got all the other elements of his work it's it's um, very sort of focused on I guess getting down to the root of what it means to be a human and trying to interact with other humans um, but there aren't really any jokes in it, it's just like <laughs> a, a fascinating character study of a horribly dysfunctional family who nevertheless sort of just get on with things and their attempts to cling on to their family bar. And it's just very, very rich with character relationships and things like that. It's very good. I recommend this thing.
1: Yeah, I've been meaning for a while to check it out. I shall probably do so at uh, some point in the not-too-distant... I mean, I say that. I've... <laughs> there, are, there are a billion things that I need to get to and are on my to-do list and have been for a very long time. Um, but yeah, it's something that I'm genuinely interested in. I, I, I'm always fascinated when comedians try their hands at something that isn't comedy um, and, and to kind of find what, what are the common threads between their comedic work and their non-comedic mm. work. Uh, and it certainly sounds as though um, it, Horace and Pete would be something interesting to look at from that perspective I mean there's a lot of there are there are certainly there are episodes of Louis which seem to have maybe two jokes in over yeah. the course of minutes and the rest is just minutes. kind of
0: like ugly raw attempts at human relationships
1: yeah yeah which is something like I think Louis CK is very good at he's very good at like sort of peeling off the skin of humanity and seeing what's underneath mm. um so yeah i'm very intrigued by this project and also i think the fact the way from a sort of media nerd perspective the way it's being put out is, um you know it's being produced entirely independently um and you know put online for people to just cough up a few dollars and there's your episode which i think is very exciting um I mean you, you can we can I don't want to I could go on forever but uh you there is the whole question of like it's it's all well and good someone like Louis CK who has a very high profile who has worked for a long time within um the the normal media system to then kind of go it alone it's much harder for say someone to who is starting from a place where, where you know they're not already a name yeah. someone with an established brand as it were then trying to you know working independently putting something out independently to then like build an audience you know louis ck's already got a built-in audience so he's able to put something like that out and for people to actually find it and engage with it um but nonetheless it is cool that he's doing something where he is circumnavigating all of the usual network bullshit and it's so you're getting a very undiluted dose of you know exactly what he wanted to make basically
0: it feels like this model of selling something shouldn't be working but apparently it is like charging sort of three dollars an episode which is quite a lot for what you would usually pay but apparently like what it costs for him to be able to continue making it it just seems like it's reached a tipping point where that sort of
1: thing can be worth that
0: and that's quite cool
1: yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting, and I'm I'm glad you've been enjoying it because I've I've been reading, to be honest, mixed reactions. I think bec- partly though because a lot of people went into it expecting a comedy,
0: yeah,
1: which um, it's uh, obviously is not. Uh... But anyway, um, yeah. So that's yeah. I'll let you know eventually what I make of it when I get round to it. Awesome. Um but before that happens, um, I will probably be ploughing through. Every episode of Robot Wars. (laughs) (laughs) That is what I have been doing recently. Um, uh, Recently it was announced that the BBC are bringing back Robot Wars, which makes the 10 year old in me dance around with glee because Robot Wars was such a big part of my childhood. It was an institution for me and my brother. Um, And, i i've uh as a, uh, to kind of like gear myself up for the new series i've been i i skipped the first series which was hosted by jeremy clarkson who mm. like i cannot i can't i can't i can't like bear more than a minute of clarkson on my tv screen at a given time um without just feeling physically ill i'm glad <laughs> so, i've forgotten about that um so I've 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 started at um the start of series two, and it's just been a joy because you know a mix of robots that I've completely forgotten about, like including <laughs> um, one. Sp- speaking as someone who now lives in Yorkshire, there is there was a contestant from Yorkshire that that was just the most Yorkshire robot imaginable, where <laughs> its chassis was an old microwave, and it was powered by the motor from a the windscreen wipers from a mini. <laughs> And it had the flimsiest plastic snowplow <laughs> on the, the
3: front. I hope, I hope that I hope that in the new series they don't kind of lose that. Like, I'm sure I, they I, I don't won't. Want people just sort of uh, buy a pre-made drone and put like a hook on it or something. Or, no, I don't.
1: I don't think they will allow that. I mean, one of the things with a
3: staple gun, staple. Yeah. <laughs> what, what,
1: one one of the things that is great about about the classic. Uh, series of robot wars, and I think was never lost throughout its run, was that you did have these these terrible homemade 10-minute bodge jobs bumping up against like people who are like serious lifelong engineers who have spent like 10 grand in some cases on this you know incredibly souped-up robot of their own design, but still at the end of the day, it's just a big Remote control car <laughs> with with a hammer stuck <laughs> on, you know. Th- th- there's no getting away from the fact that it's just inherently ridiculous. Um, however much or little or time and money is spent on building these things, um, so yeah, I love it. It it holds up. It's all on YouTube. It's brilliant. So yeah, Robot Wars. It's great. I hope the new series isn't shit. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's that's just about everything, isn't it? Let me just is there any other stuff that we have to do? Let me just scroll back up to my running order. <laughs> um, no, that's it. So next time we are going to be talking about Dalek. I wonder what that episode will be about. <laughs> nice. We'll oh,
3: we, we didn't do the the social justice time war, but there was really oh, nothing yeah, to yeah. do with the, it. You got,
1: you got anything for that, Joe?
3: Literally, other than, you know, this has not done good things for the political visibility of people with IBS.
0: Um, <laughs> Copious amounts
3: of fat shaming, like Oh, melts.
0: God, yes, well, that was one thing would. I
1: did want to mention. Yeah, that, I mean... Speaking as a portly gentleman, I, I, yeah...
3: A portly Doctor Who fan, David.
1: (laughs) What's that, sorry?
3: A portly Doctor Who fan.
1: (laughs) Yeah, who never heard of such a thing?
3: (laughs) What rot.
1: (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the, the, the whole fatism stuff is a bit... And again, you know, was... There was an attempt to justify that within the episode. So, oh, it's easier for them to fit into big people. Mm. But.
0: A Slytherin wouldn't com- have fit even into the most morbidly obese person's skin. They're very tall for a start.
3: Yeah, they seem to have Yeah, well, they, of they said they've got, like, the thing around their necks.
0: Shrink yeah. a little further. Leave fat yeah. people alone,
1: maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I
0: Do you think, think
3: maybe that's something that Russell T. Davis just secretly believes and wants to put into it? Like, he genuinely believes that fat people have are hiding evil aliens <laughs> inside them.
1: Perhaps. Perhaps he does. Um, um, but yeah, so... That's, yeah, that Social yeah, justice that's time war was
3: bullshit this week other than, like, Mickey got actually acknowledged as a competent human.
1: Yeah, which was nice for him um, So anyway, yeah, that's everything then I think, uh, so yeah Next episode, Dalek Perchance will it contain One of the titular Monsters?
0: We just don't know
1: There's no way to tell, unless you watch the next Time on Doctor Who thing Which I did not <laughs> <laughs> um, So yeah, that's it Thanks very much for listening And hopefully will see you again Bye bye uh. everybody. Thanks for listening to Children of the Wilderness. Don't forget you can email us at children of the at gmail.com. Our theme music is Retro Regeneration, an eight-bit remix of the Doctor Who theme by Adam Kadowski.